Hello. Oh my goodness, Sam. Hello there. Where are we? Back again for another delightful, insightful, and penetrating episode of a fairly queer podcast. How's it going over there in wintry Kentucky, Sam? It's great. Are you sure? Yeah, sure. My birds came back. Your bird? You have your your porch. I'm worried bird? about that. I'm worried about that washing machine. I'm gonna turn off the dryer because okay. I can just tell it's gonna pick up. Hold on. All right. While that's happening, this is inevitably gonna be a recording. So I'm just gonna tell everyone that Sam is cute. His uh, his face is very dewy today. And I thought he might have put on some sort of lip color, which is always exciting when we get to have these conversations and even do it do it with uh, both an audio and a video element. I'm back. Okay, we're gonna do this over again. Yeah, we might as well. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Two. Deep breath. Ah. <sighs> Hello, everyone. How's it going out there, Sam? Hi. Are you ready to do another brilliant, insightful, delightful, and penetrating a fairly queer podcast, Sam? I'm well. I'm not ready. You're not ready? Okay, now I'm ready. Okay, great. I'm glad you took a moment to quiet your Piscean waters, and let's dig right into it, Sam. So when we were having um, some conversation before the podcast in this past week or so. Um, we're talking about the things that we're listening to, reading, uh, what, what, is, um, what is gathering uh, momentum in our mind space and our psyche. So Sam, why don't, why don't you tell me what you've been listening to and reading? Um, I thought we were going to do that. I thought we weren't going to do that this episode. We are going to do sobriety. <laughs> Yeah, but we can always in, we can always just talk a little bit about what what um just what things have been on our minds. This is our prologue, opening segue. Well, most of what I've been interested in recently is Scientology. <laughs> yeah, Sam, you sent me a text, and now I'm concerned. No, don't be concerned. I'm not going to join the Church of Scientology. Um, okay. I just find it really no, just really, I think it's going down. First Scientology, then the Vatican. That's what I say. I don't know, but it's really fascinating. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the Church of Scientology, I guess I'll give a brief explanation. This is uh, not what this episode is about. This is just a little no. kiki about what we've this been This is an opening doing. kiki so me and Sam can get duly reacquainted after the winter doldrums take their toll sometimes. Yeah, so with many things, you just go down like a YouTube rabbit hole of like just researching a topic a lot. And that happened to me like for the last week. I watched um, a lot of Lisa Remini interviews uh there were some ron miscavige interviews that i listened to who's the father of the leader of scientology david miscavige whoa and, yeah and he left the church he escaped the church sorry escaped the yeah. church yeah. how do you do that i mean i escaped the church when i was in high school because my mom was paranoid that ever half of the church women wanted to boink my dad but like oh my. 
we could we could easily have not gone to church. So that just automatically like presses some serious red buttons there, you know, Sam. So people are escaping the Church of Scientology. Please continue. Yeah. So Ron Miscavige he wrote a book called Ruthless. Ooh. Ooh. And yeah. hold on, I just changed my audio setting, so this may or may not sound better or worse now. Apologize if it sounded worse before. Anyway, um, so he wrote a book called Ruthless, which was about the Church of Scientology and his son. And it's a really interesting story. I won't go too, into too much detail about it, because if you're interested, just read the book or watch the interviews. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit happening, and I myself not being a religious person can see like a lot of correlations with a lot of different religions that aren't just Scientology about you know this kind of you know uh, structure and stuff but I think the thing that really sets Scientology apart is that it's a pay before you go kind of situation where it's like you want to learn ethics give us lots of money and then you'll like reach like OT3 and OT5 and OTA and all these different like, like stages and levels. And it's like very hierarchical in that sense. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I would highly recommend l- reading about all of it. Cause it's really interesting. Also um, the person that started Scientology, he was a science fiction writer. So like all that Xenu shit and all that stuff. I'm sure that you've heard of that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, well, a little bit. I just know that after World War II, L. Ron Hubbard created this whole sort of, uh, you know, I've always been interested in the conspiratorial things and things that are too hard for people to believe because I think there's a kernel of truth in about 90% of it. So I'm just putting that out there. That, But I also told recently told a friend of mine, my friend Laurel, that like, I take the roller coaster ride of radical information. Radical information is my new way of talking about things that people just want to shit on and call conspiracy theories. Mythology has turned into a history channel series called Ancient Aliens. So we'll just put that out there that like people are interested in alternative to some of the dry, crusty shit that we've been taught in schools. That but they can said, take though. a dark. That, but it, that's what I mean. I was just about to say it can take a dark turn. It's cuckoo bananas. And then, right. And then you get into these things that are just fifth, sixth generation fucking Freemasonic versions with the aliens, with the hierarchy, with the pyramids, with these deep collective consciousness symbols that people are drawn to. And then you kind of get people like Hollywood actors and Hollywood people who's whose fortunes go up and down with the ability to get cast in television and movies, especially movies at the time. My heart goes out to everyone who's looking for community. When we get to future sections, like community, um, a connection and belong is super, super important when it comes to um, uh, overall mental health and the relationship to addiction and substances. So people want to feel a connection, but when you have to pay for it up front, I think it's pardon me, hierarchical bullshit stages where you get further and further in down the rabbit hole and not in a like a consciousness evolving way. It's very frightening. I mean, these it's all over LA. It's one of the creepy things. It's like, what kind of bullshit could they even be mangling our poor minds with from their antennae? So that's my 
opening editorial. You bring up a good point, though, which is like, okay, so with Scientology, again, like this is like very abridged, but yeah. and I highly recommend if anyone's interested in just like learning about cults, <laughs> like yeah. just like, like go on YouTube, like yeah. Google Scientology, like it's 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 very interesting, but. You talk about community, you talk about sobriety, you talk about um, these principles, and those are all principles that sort of, in Scientology, as I understand it, are like things that you open the door with, which is like, oh, we're going to do these self-help classes, and we're going right. to teach you how to be the best version of yourself, and yeah. teach you how to like not do drugs and alcohol, and teach you how to uh, be better in the workplace, and all of these sort of self-help principles, and then like as you get higher and higher, it gets like kind of like crazy Xenu shit, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually with Ron Miscavige. I was watching, who is Dave Miscavige's father, um, the leader of Scientology. Um, when he left the church, he does like a YouTube, like a really, it's so it's so cute, like this little tiny YouTube channel. Highly recommend checking it out, where he talks about, I think he has a show called Life After Scientology. But he also mm -hmm. does these little like things where it's like, you know, life lessons and like, take a walk which is like that's a thing in Scientology like it's literally like there's a thing on taking walks mm -hmm. and I was interested in the idea that like okay like yeah Scientology is a crazy cult but the reason that these people join it is because I think for the most part they truly feel like they're bettering themselves and making the world a better place like they're not bad people yeah. They're just in a cult. So um, I was really refreshing to see like someone like Ron Miscavige after leaving the church who was like, hey, like there's like some self-help principles that I still believe in that I still want to talk about. It just doesn't have to mm -hmm. be in connection to a cult. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like that's so important. Like I've, I've dated guys who are in. Jehovah's Witnesses. I've yeah. had some sexy ass times with some ex uh, LDS people, ex Mormons, and like, wow. I you know I have friends who are ex Mormons. Like this shit is real in 2020. Who knows what some of these crazy, uh, you know, trap you in uh, cult faiths, religions, societies are planning for a weird numerological year like 2020 so everyone out there just like put your put your light skeptics hat on i say skepticism rather than cynicism cynicism can turn into depression and just swanning anything that could actually blast your consciousness and your awakening open which i think is a very real thing as a witch and as a fairy and as a queer person like the awakening can happen in so many levels and but i think people some people think it will be Scientology, and all I know is that I've not heard any any positive results out of it, except that maybe there's some fancy Hollywood shit you want to try to network into and this restaurant that Sam was talking about. Yeah, I do want to go to the Celebrity Center and have lunch there. Sam, <laughs> you're giving them money. You be giving it's them only money. bucks for brunch. Oh, my gosh. Oh, um, my gosh, Sam. I will say this, though. For anyone... like. This this is going to sound like a PSA of, like, don't join the Church of Scientology. I don't think anyone of our listeners is thinking about that anyway. But just, like, in terms of, like, people that might want to be joining, um, a, a, like, a, a, a group or a religion or um, mm. a collective consciousness group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. have, a, have a 
have a healthy amount of skepticism and also respect your own, um, like you being you and not having to be part of like a big group because yeah. when you're just like, Oh, I don't matter. I only matter in this group. I only matter in this larger sense. That's really scary. Cause then you're just easily like absorbed and yes. you lose your yourself your sense of identity which i think yes. is is a problem because you're very special and that was a yes. big, the biggest problem that i had i mean i have a lot of problems with the church of scientology but that was doing my research but the biggest problem is that they have a policy of disconnection where it's like if you leave the church like if you and i were friends which we are and yes. i was in the church you were in the church and you decided you know fuck this i'm leaving the church i wouldn't right. be allowed to talk to you anymore because you'd be considered right. like bad a bad prayer or if you talked like poorly of the church i would not be allowed to speak to you ever again right and that happens with a lot of families where yeah like they will have family in the church and then they decide to leave and then they're totally like it's like they it's like they died it's very yeah. scary oh yeah yeah so anyway <laughs> i i believe that our message is just be careful. Just be, you know, be careful. Take, do research. Do much more than social media levels of research. I'm a recovering academic. There are many, many onion layers to finding the truth of things beyond the witch's intuition and the knowingness in your heart. So this is our opening session. We're taking the deep dive and uh, when we come back, we are going to enter the world of things we'd like to take. Substances, our relationships with them, and how we can find either balance, healing, and uh, elevation with or without them. So, Sam, let's take a break and we'll come right back, okay? Yes, thank you for tying in our strange um my strange spiel about scientology to our topic for the day i appreciate you building that bridge oh we are building <laughs> bridges left and right here in the wintry season but be careful because two. that's also a scientology term <laughs> oh god we'll see you I guys soon it. yeah we'll see you in a minute y'all we'll see you in a moment We're back. We are. So, Jeremy. Yes. Now, a lot of the times, people will feel disconnected or depressed or not in control of their lives. So they'll do things like join a cult or yes. start drinking a lot or, yeah. I don't know, become immersed in their cell phones or just in, in, in get involved in a lot of sort of addictive personality traits or explore yes. those those aspects of themselves which can be very disconnecting so that's really what we wanted to explore today yes on the podcast is addiction um moments of sobriety mm -hmm. and connection so i'll yes. let you start this section off okay well i also um want to prime everyone that there have been a couple of conversations that uh, Sam and I have had in person and um, between 
podcast recordings. And this is like something that I think struck us both because the last couple of times I've had alcohol, I really overindulged and shitty things happen afterwards. I was in San Francisco when I had a really great time at a friend's house after the first night of our holiday cabaret. But that next Saturday, for some reason, I started out with, with my backpack in my hotel room. And by the end, my, my um, backpack was nowhere to be found. So I connected my drinking too much with leaving the door open or not being aware and just being too hungover to care. And by the time I needed my computer to do some things for Justin for Alaska before our show, it was gone. Um, also, about a week ago, I went to an Oscars party because I didn't know anyone. And um, I had one friend who was like a colleague from uh, New York. I drank too much, went out on a bender with some really cute young guy, but like it did some really uncouth things. And I had to pay for it monetarily with some expensive lifts that I don't even remember taking. Mm. And um, with some, like, embarrassing back, you know, backlogging and questioning. It's like, what the hell happened? I, 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 I threw up and I, and I had to throw my coat away in a, in a garbage, garbage can in West Hollywood and these things have gotten expensive. So I was sober with the exception of the 1st and 2nd and 24th of January. I was sober the rest of January. And it made me very aware of um, that the alcohol is trying to numb something or it's trying to um, switch me into a different state of being so that I can feel more free or more happy or it, it's just a more explicit way of avoiding things that are upsetting me on the short-term and long-term level. So that's why I felt it was really important to have this episode. And I'm really glad we are, because it's like I still drink a little bit, but I, I have very particular um, caps on the drinking I do. With whom, what how it goes, and things to watch for. So that's my relationship, especially with drinking. Um, other substances, I don't really do so much. Uh, I have weed, and I medicate with it, especially with my lower back getting fussy because of sleep and, and uh, tossing and turning. I do have tinctures, but like the only time I really smoke up is when Alaska and I want to get creative and just have some free playtime with music or express ourselves a little extra freely. So I think of marijuana as like a medicine that I take. But those are really the only two things in my world that people I know have had to um, pull from their lives or be very careful about. So Sam, do you want to talk about your substance journeys of late? Sure. Oh, and I also want to point in that um, I do think that in the scale of like destructive drugs, alcohol's pretty high, whereas the fine yes, pine the, the fine pine is pretty low. I think that's a pretty safe and medicinal one. So. Yeah. So I think it's a good a good kind of parentheses of things that I know I have to deal with, my drinking, and things that are like, oh yeah, I used to smoke up, you know, I used to smoke more weed. I used to 
do much more of those things. And actually, the results were pretty opening. I didn't. I never felt I was doing it too much. And if I did, then um, I had to. I I managed to pull back. I never really um, grabbed on to weed as something in a like a dark or depressed or an anxious place. So I'm very grateful for that. But Sam, um, yeah, why don't you talk about yeah, well, why okay. you wanted to do this episode? So I recently have I've just I've stopped drinking and it wasn't it was I was drinking and I will have I had to admit to myself that I had been drinking a lot alone like I would just you know at night I'd be like I'd be working I'd be doing a leather project I'd be doing whatever and I'd be like I'm gonna like pour a glass of wine I'm gonna make something to drink like I just I want to drink um and it got to like I wasn't drinking like I wasn't getting blacked out drunk every day obviously I was never doing that because I have pretty low tolerance for alcohol period but I just was like I remember I poured myself like a half a glass of wine and I drank like two sips of it and I felt like physically ill I was like oh like this is terrible like I don't like I feel like I'm poisoning myself so Mm -hmm. that happened like you know I, I tried that this I tried drinking wine the day after that and it was the same thing as like this is like it's not good i don't i don't want this in my yeah. body right now so i was just like well, okay i'm just not gonna drink then so then i just stopped drinking um and i am not saying that i'm like never gonna drink again and i've certainly had drink socially since but i just i not having that like physical reaction made me face something that I feel like Mm -hmm. I was afraid to face, which was that I was very lonely and I was using alcohol as like, it's sort of like smoking where it's like, I'm bored or I'm like walking somewhere and I have nothing to do. I'm just going to like have a cigarette because it's like a thing to do. And it's like a thing to engage with. And alcohol was becoming that for me. It was something that I wanted to engage with because I was in my apartment alone you know, with my leather business, I work alone. So it was, it became very isolating and alcohol was like, my friend, I'm going to like have Uh a drink. I'm going to make something fun. I'm going to make a cocktail, whatever. Um, so when I started having these sort of physical reactions, it made me also have to face like my history with drugs. And, you know, I've done many drugs. I used to live in New York city and there was a lot of access to a lot of drugs and I took advantage of that when I lived there. Um, and I sort of like, was like, wow, like there really hasn't been a big span of time in my life since I was 19 where I've just like not, not been, yeah. vibed or not, yeah. you know, use something to alter my, my mental or physical state or whatever. Yeah. And I, just got really curious. It's like, who would I be if I was just sober? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm not saying by the way, like this isn't to demonize drugs or alcohol or anything like that, because you know, you do you and you, and I've certainly enjoyed my like recreational drugs. And I've certainly had alcohol in the past and I've had a lot of fun, but it also like, you need to recognize that these things do alter your emotions and alter your mind depending on what you're using and it's important to reel it back and be like okay well who i who am i without those things yeah and that was my decision i was like i need to figure out who that is and i didn't need to figure that out for a while (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
and it's been great. I mean, I feel, I feel much better. I, I gotta be honest. Like I don't really miss drinking and mm -hmm. I think I'll probably not drink for a hot minute because it's sort of like this great weight off my shoulders where it's like, it's not even like an option. It's not like, Oh, like I'm going to have a drink tonight. Cause that's what I do. It's like, no, that's just not what I do anymore. So I'm not going to do it. And it's been nice. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So we can start with drinking and then slide down the slippery slope. Sure. No, I, I, I think that. Slopes. Mm, uh, I think of one of my favorite. It's really one of, for better and for worse, I use that term, but it's one of my favorite episodes of Ah, uh, Ah, uh, uh, where um, Katya and Trixie talk about drugs and the dynamic is like uh Trixie, careful to a fault, maybe a little tight-fisted, a little bit of a righteous, righteous, you know, Brian being a righteous kid from a poor background in Wisconsin, and the other Brian coming from a middle-class Catholic family with a penchant for uh, going to the edge of life and mortality. Yeah. With substances. So it... I kind of feel like we have the opportunity to be in that middle realm where, like, we've we've had our moments with things. And if we start with drinking and then it's not it's just the opposite of one-upmanship. But I think if there's a category, if we just go category is downers, category is uppers, category is the respectful or disrespectful use of hallucinogens, or entheogens and then party drugs and and really just like now remember and I'm gonna do this in my own way like we ain't doctors and we ain't psychologists no, we are not. we are human beings like you then all those six thousand Instagram followers is not mean I'm any more important than you or any better or have better opinions on life. There's a lot of lovely people who decided to want to see I, what I was up to on social media. So I am not licensed to give anything, any information professionally except about music history, my life, the humanities, cultural, cultural issues, and uh, storytelling, etc. So with that really officially being said, drinking, I realized I did a goodly amount of <laughs> ever since I hit college. Yeah. I did a goodly amount of it. And like, I feel very blessed because drinking does take a toll on a person's looks. It does. It takes a it's toll true. on the face and it takes a toll on the body. So that's real. All y'all beautiful young creatures out there, drinking will age you. It will age you, and it will add weight to your body. But also, so will the sun. So wear sunscreen. Yeah, that's really important. Just but the sun will also provide you with vitamin D. During you get enough vitamin D from ten minutes of being in the sun with sunscreen on. That's a myth. Yes, yes. So, like, you know, like if you care about aging gracefully, like drinking is something you want to keep a cap on. You want to keep a leash on it. Um, but I realized, and I realized I do a lot of drinking with Miss Alaska, and it's some of the most enjoyable experiences, because we kind of have, like, inter-therapeutic sessions. As long as we aren't in a funk, and then we're, like, drinking, like, oh, oh, yeah. So one of us will just kind of, like, nod our head and kind of get really concise. I'm like, okay, we should probably have a good sisterly friendship conversation, because one of us is feeling... <sighs> 
Jeremy. Um, a certain way. I'm declining it. My phone. My phone is connected with my computer. So, so unprofessional. Pardon. Uh, Sam, I don't need your shame right now. I deflect your shame. You can keep your shame to your own faggoty ass. <laughs> but I'll just reiterate for the sake of editing that um, some of the most pleasant drinking experiences I've had have been, have been with Alaska. We kind of have intertherapeutic evenings after a gig is done when I'm traveling as her assistant. The only time we aren't is when like the issue is with each other and then like we're like, uh-huh. Okay, but eventually, over 16 years, we've learned that eventually something's going to come out, that we know that we're each other's sisters, and that the most important thing is to communicate like adults, maturely, compassionately, and at the proper cycles of time. Or, if it needs to be said, let's bring it up. And in that way, I'm grateful for alcohol because sometimes I'm just like, okay, I just need to say this and it's coming out. And the other way, if someone confesses something that I kind of know psychically is in the air, then fine. Alcohol can be useful for that. But it also can make you act out, bring out the dark, unhealed aspects of our psyche, the wounds and the anger and all kinds of uh, even violent shit. So we have to be careful with our with our alcohol you bring up a good so, point though which yeah. is okay so we i talked before about like needing to be yourself unaltered and i yeah. think that alcohol usually isn't viewed in the public eye as like uh an, a, like, i mean i guess a lot of people do consider it mood altering but because it's so common yeah. you go to the grocery store you buy a bottle of wine people don't see it as like a drug. But oh, a like drug. caffeine. Caffeine's a fucking drug. Yeah, and we I put feel, it into energy things. I feel like it should be treated like, like I've always considered, like if you're gonna do a drug, even if it's like a, a significant drug, like LSD or something like that, that's something that you do like once in a while, like once in a blue moon. You know, ninety-five percent of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time, you are whoever you are, sober, and then, like, occasionally you imbibe in these special things. And I think that alcohol should be, I mean, viewed as sort of the same thing, where it's like, yeah. you don't have anything important to do. You don't have to go to work the next day. You don't have to, um, like, perform at a high level. And it's yeah. just like, it's your time to completely relax and yeah. or it's or you you need something it's extra special to help you process something um but yeah. if it becomes something that you're doing all the time then it becomes problematic because you start to lose your self-identity yeah uh, can um, i ask you a question though yeah um, sure because and this might not be your story to tell so feel free to i can just edit this out if 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 so but i know yeah. that alaska went through a period of sobriety and were you like did you also join her in that period of sobriety and and how was that beneficial to her and um when did she decide that that was like okay like i'm i can continue to imbibe again occasionally yeah well i would like to for for her part never to speak for her but to yeah. also quote um a line from the tea um, her her biographical narrative she brought out during All Stars 2 that she 
she could have stopped drinking, but it's too much fun. It is fun. So, and then <laughs> there is something about the ancient. I want to just put in as a response. There's certain things amongst the, the the sort of un, not so filtered things like the fermented, the fermented substances by which weddings and funerals, more weddings and celebratory things, especially and you know I can speak from my own culture, in northern and western and southern, and uh, eastern central Europe, the drinking was a way of of marking things ritually and ceremonially. Yeah. So it's not an excuse, but it's history and it's anthropology and it's um, ancient social rights that were blessed by our deep, deep ancestors that like for celebrating and for communion, uh, communal gatherings and for belonging, it's a way to bond. But if you're not doing it in a healthy way, then we have to recon- then we all have to reconsider our relationship with it. So with Alaska, 2013 was a was a heavy dose of substance for us. I can only say for myself that like there was plenty of booze. Sometimes there was cocaine. I mean, sometimes there was these things that when you're just nouveau television, nouveau showbiz, that these things are fun ways to offer other people a good time but it's also can go the down the dark road especially with cocaine of being a status symbol and a class and a money issue so um 2013 was really intense and really volatile so she chose that most of 2014 she would be sober from alcohol and i did, did not you, take that journey purchase? with her okay that's no, um, and I still, throughout that time, I know I was taking part in drinking because I was going out with my fairy friends and a lot of the social culture with them was drinking. Um, and there was coke because sometimes I was doing drag. And drag plus booze to get me went, to get me in a exalted place and then coke to keep were me you, from feeling too tired. Were you hanging tired. out with the Brooklyn fairies at that point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, not the Queens. 2014, I had moved back from Pittsburgh, where I was for about six months, so I could, like, be local with Justin, and, you know, like, I hadn't, we hadn't been hanging out much until almost, we hadn't been hanging out during the time that they both got on television. They were both in Pittsburgh, and I was trying to finish a Leviathan of a dissertation in, in uh, L.A., so we, it was kind of a homecoming. I got to work with her again, and we got to renew another chapter of our friendship again. But 2013 was volatile. Um, we had moments where we had to tell each other, like, this can't keep on going the way it's going. These actions, these this, uh, imbibing excessively with either, with either booze or coke or whatever it was, that it, it needed to go and check so justin and i mean there are interviews where he lets yeah. this be known um but we I drink now i think, no, I think it was private information no like, no he's definitely spoken about this so. yeah but i mean the relationship you have with your friends who have who imbibe in substances you know like i just i just want to call out to every person i love which is anyone who's listening really it's like please have the conversations with those you love about if you think there's a little too much um, too much 
pressure on them or pressure on the substance to medicate in ways that are not that are just out of sync or out of balance or or unhealthy so you know we have conversations sometimes and luckily i think we all have our seasons of uh not drinking i know that when justin gets ahead of himself i appreciate him having a talk with me and then being an accountability buddy it's like i'm not going to drink for a couple of weeks or or whatever that is and we need that please have accountability buddies when it comes to when it comes to substances because the only other thing i may have needed to have a little bit of an accountability for was like mdma I really like it. I really like how it bonds people and makes people kind of psychic and kind of mm-hmm. telepathic and really want to be intimate with each other. And I think well, how I always feel the day after is that, like, why can't human beings do the things that happen with one another on MDMA or, or you know, what's called Molly or uh, 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 or some people get that way on ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You know, these entheogens, these empathogens, right, that hope people really feel connected to one another. You, you know, dilated pupils and the telling and the confession of, like, these magical things between people. That's really beautiful to me, but I'd love to know who's doing that sober out there and what methods are being done because we need to get closer to one another. When I, when I met you, I thought you were on MVMA. <laughs> well, I think I eventually took some... Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Remember think so. Remember when we were talking in my tent, and I yes. was like, you know, I was in a state of mind, and I was, you like had mentioned, like, I don't know how long we were talking that you weren't, and I was like, excuse me? Excuse you? It's just how I get when I'm elevated. It's just my my witchy woo when I'm in, like, natural witchy states, and I, and I all I want to do is, like, connect with people it said like i do i get my big dilated pupil just like tell me all about you you magical fairy sexy queer witchy creature pew 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 i do want to okay so you talked about accountability though and i want to quickly touch on this is going to be like a don't do drugs kids episode but i want to talk about it's not from what we're talking about it's like i still do things it's like i was hoping to I was hoping to go to one of those Valentine's Day parties, the Ostbanoff or the Nudies party, whatever. But it's like, you know what? I've had these things. I've gone out and my social anxiety is something I need to deal with. Yeah. I usually deal with it at Fairy Witch Camp at Beltane. I feel a lot better when I go. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot better. Yeah, me too. So, like, it helps me just deal with these things because there's someone in some stages going to be like, okay, babe. Let's talk this out or let's make out or there's some some radical way of shifting my self-worth outside of whether I'm like 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 worked out enough or whether I'm something enough or my you know, it's a whole other realm over there at Fairy Witch Camp. But it's helpful. It's helpful. I wanna get like Fairy Witch Camp um like scout uniforms. That would be cute. So, Sam, you're going to ask me a qu- another question? Well, I just wanted to touch on smoking real quick, actually. Smoking oh, cigarettes. the nicotine. Did you ever yeah, smoke, Sam? I smoked um, for many years. <gasps> um, yeah. Oh, my gosh, Sam. I never smoked a lot. I smoked, like, I don't know, like, I probably the most I had ever smoked was, like, 
six to seven cigarettes a day, but okay. usually it was like two or three. Um, and when you're smoking, you have this sort of justification in your mind where it's like, well, you know, lung cancer is all about genetics and no one in my family's ever had lung cancer, so I'm just going to smoke. Yeah. And um, so I had to like kill the mood, but uh, my mother has stage four lung cancer and she's smoked for 40 years. So yeah. Um, yeah, I really do strongly recommend to our listeners. There are some drugs that you should just not do. It's not oh, worth father, it. Cigarettes are one of those things. It is a total crapshoot. It isn't fun. It's bad for you in every sense of the word, and it causes lung cancer. So yeah, but yeah. I wanted to point out with the sort of like you know keeping people accountable. I'm not. So I have a friend. And I don't know if he'd want to be mentioned on the podcast, so I'll use a pseudonym. I'll call him uh, Joe. Yeah. Joe, um, he smoked and I smoked. And that was one of the things that we would do is, like, we'd hang out and we'd smoke together. Um, like, because we were the only smokers in, like, a group of non-smokers. And when I stopped smoking, because I stopped smoking when my mother got cancer for the first time, um, I was like, kind of like, I, it was sort of sucked because I was like, oh, like now we don't have this like thing that we do together. Like I felt this camaraderie with him where it's like, oh, like we go and we, we have a cigarette together and that's like our little private time. Yeah. And um, it just really sucked. And so, but I was like, I didn't want to smoke anymore because just the idea of smoking made me feel ill because of the connection it had with cancer at this point. Yeah. So um, it was like a month later that my friend quit smoking mm -hmm. and I don't know if he quit smoking and he said that he didn't, but I, so I, you know, respect that. That's what he said. But I feel in my heart that it might have been because I quit smoking because yeah. he was just like, you know, I'm just going to quit smoking too. And I really, even if that, even if that wasn't the reason, like I really appreciated that he did that because now my whole group of friends, like none of us are smokers. So it's just yeah. like, great wonderful like no one smokes and it makes me feel better because i know that they're not at risk and it makes me yeah. not want to smoke like i don't want cigarettes at all in any capacity and yeah i don't know i just like someone like making that decision to quit smoking is is really really great so anyone that smokes out there just just stop you're gonna get cancer and it's not fun <laughs> yeah, I come. I can only say that I come from a family of smokers. My mom is deeply into smoking, and the siblings, almost all of my siblings, have at one point or another. My dad did. Uh, my mom's dad did. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I have the mutational gene, or it never did anything for me. It never did enough because, like, it was so gross to me growing up. Secondhand smoke was always such a negative um, thing. So, I mean, thank you, Sam. And I know that, like, thank you for, you know, talking about real relationships that help us reconsider our relationship to things that, like, you know, the, the indigenous Americans had tobacco as a sacred ceremony. It was a bonding ceremony. There was nothing but tobacco in it. There weren't extra chemicals, you know, so we misused a Native American. We've misused and imperialized and monetized and created a whole society out of whatever nicotine does. 
And like to me, I don't think it's worth it either. But for people where it's a lot of social things, a lot of belonging things, some way to get a break and to allay nervousness, I get it. Um, I have I I have drunk smoke before. There were a yeah, couple of times I, I, about I, I, 10, 12 years ago where I bought a couple of packs of cigarettes, but I never finish it. I'm like, this is not something I do when I'm sober. This is not something that does anything for me. It just makes me feel dirty. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, just from a practical standpoint, why would anyone do anything that is, like, guarantee, almost guarantees that, like, you're going to get lung cancer? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. if you're going to, if you're smoking every day, since you were young, like you can pretty much be assured that you know the way you're going to die. So it's just like, anyway. Well, I mean, I know I'm not going to play devil's advocate to what I think is an important point you're making, Sam. I, I know a couple of old people who seem to be lung cancer is not the thing from smoking, but emphysema or throat cancer or something, the chemicals. You just it's the equation of the chemicals and the way it the circulatory system um, does not bode well. You know, I'm in the same camp, but again, you know, we're here to support you living your best life and find your healthy life the way that you know you can, you can sustain and that you um, feel good about. Yeah, and also I think this is a good way to wrap it up too is like with anything that we're talking about, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, you know, being in a cult. <laughs> um, oh, right, the addiction like, to belong. I would never suggest, because I don't believe that these things inherently make anyone bad. I think no. that they may be making poor judgments because they don't aren't informed or they're succumbing to temptations. Yeah. Um, and I am not saying like, oh, I'm so holier than thou because I've succumbed to literally all of those temptations with the exception of being in a cult. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I, I encourage anyone that is dealing with temptation or uh, having a difficulty um, um, uh, moderating how much they're using something or they're addicted to a substance to one, reach out to other people, let them know that you're struggling and yes. see what kind of resources are available to you and see what kind of resources and support, you know, because they say, and actually this is something that I, this is a pretty well-known line, but Katya said this in an interview, and this is where I learned this line, which is the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And I truly yes. believe that. We can get into yes. the whole, like, rats in a cage with the heroin laced water thing but you know just look that up and i'm sure you'll be able to find the study but yeah it's true you know just if you're feeling like it's difficult to kick a substance or moderate or these things please reach out to your friends reach out to your chosen family reach out to your community um and i think that's a good start and i empathize with anyone that is struggling with with any of those things but i hope that yes. they if they desire to overcome those that they succeed and yeah. if you want to write to us in regards to any of your struggles uh, at a fairly queer podcast at gmail.com we would be happy to um, to read to read them and share them with your consent of course yes yeah I'm Anything happy else? to keep keep this as a theme because it is winter time we get depressed we feel lonely um, my housemate Kathy who is Titsy Rose on 
Instagram, a wonderful human being and my housemate, keeping me sane while I work through life changes. Um, she got an Atlantic magazine about... Uh, Atlantic really seems to be hitting hard over issues of, like, uh, connection. Uh, this month's uh, uh, instantiation is concerning uh, the the crash of the nuclear family and how, like, that could be a really fun place to go in future episodes. But again, I just want to reiterate what Sam is saying, that, like, part of a fairly queer podcast is community service yes. and community empowerment. So please let us know if you consent, as Sam said, and we'd love to hear more of your stories. Now, when we return, I think we can wrap this up by maybe playing Category is Drug. And it's not meant to be, like, not meant to underestimate the power or the darkness that some people have done. But I think there needs to be a um, a defanging of the power by um, relating anecdotes that we've yes. had with certain drugs. So as to just make it neither good nor evil, but a choice that you have to make. We have to make ourselves. So when we return, we're going to play category is drug drug type and also um i want to maybe sam and i can just a little further open up some of the ways that we have found belonging and support um through some resources so when we you come back you know what back, i have we'll... to say to that what absolutely pew 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 okay we'll be back in a moment y'all okay bye Yes, so what we have now is our category is section as well as um questions from at least our um our our Patreon folks who yeah. who um support us in a certain way. I also want to give um a shout out to someone after we play category is oh what's the substance? What's, What's the, substance? the substance? What's the substance what of it, it all? What is it actually? There we go. Okay, great. I have the question. But let's go to category. Okay, category is stimulants and uppers. Who wants to start? Mm, stimulants and uppers. I'll start. Okay. Okay. So let's start with, are we just doing, are we going to do like a bunch of these or what? Are yeah, gonna... let's just go with the flow, whatever you're feeling, whatever will help I you feel more I wanna, I'm going to throw a curveball, okay. um, which I'm going to go back to you saying caffeine. Oh, yeah. Yes, because we are conditioned with caffeine to like, you wake up in the morning because, okay, so like addiction actually um, is defined by like, um, routine so like if you're doing Ooh. something like this is sort of like a wishy-washy definition but technically if you do something like at a very specific time and it's only once a month 
it still is categorized as a certain type of addiction because you're conditioned wow. yourself to have to do that at that specific time in that specific time frame. So caffeine so Sam, is to I, have to like get our cup of coffee in the morning. And okay. I know personally that like, especially when I stopped drinking and I needed like something else, like something else to make me feel different. So I started drinking a lot of coffee and it got a little out of hand. So there's uh, mine. Yeah. Yeah. Also the, the, the feeling of like, uh, I I think there was like a fresh air with Terry Gross. I was picking Kathy up from the airport, and um, there was a guy who wrote a book about caffeine, and he stopped taking caffeine, and he did the research on the on the peptides, the neurotransmitters, the neuropeptides, all of those things. Um, where caffeine can be a ball buster, and the, with anything where you've got the physio- physiological and psychological withdrawal. Caffeine's in that category. I don't care how posh it is to get your fancy coffee in Seattle or Ireland or or South Africa or Australia, folks. Caffeine's a drug. Your coffee's a drug. Your tea's a drug. My tea and my coffee, my espresso with honey and a touch of almond milk, it's a fucking drug. So, I think that being said, caffeine, something real that we can talk about delightful if i were on a desert island it's like well we can't we can only give you one one substance spice what's it gonna be i'm like oh I w- yeah i take caffeine oh i take caffeine get me motivated make me feel productive the work thing it's social i have wonderful i feel a little more i feel a little witchy i and do stream of consciousness writing on caffeine that's nice too. right it's like you drink right. your coffee you have a little bit of a buzz and eventually that'll go down so, if I may, I think it yeah. would be, I would, I think it would be of a poor representation of the things that the queer community struggles with if we didn't touch on this drug as well. So, on the uh-huh. other side of the spectrum, there are drugs like crystal meth. Oh, crystal meth. They have not, not crystal Beth, not crystal oh. whatever, not crystal powers. Not crist- no, not crystal powers, not crystal mathematics, not crystalline <laughs> mathematics. Crystal methamphetamine, folks. Which is something that, like, you take like once, and you're up for the next three days. And then it's an easy Yeah, the physiological things. People who I never thought would take or get or have a rough, rough go and get a serious down the rabbit hole with meth have. So what that tells me is that it's dangerous. I also know that the closest I took meth once. Um, it was, I was trying to get laid in Tampa. It was the early days of the Alaska touring in 2013. And, um, I was so scared of not getting any sleep, but I was so scared of like the addiction thing that I don't think I inhaled like the way meth people supposedly inhale. I did not have the breathing, the, the, the breathing and technique in. So I felt like I got a little, I got a little loopy. But it never happened. And that's my only time with crystal methamphetamine. So I don't think the universe nor my my uh, cosmic guardians had had meth going down the meth hole in mind for me. And I am superbly and supremely grateful for that. And, you know, meth is it's a an interesting meth. 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 Hot meth. Hey, what meth? Hot meth. Hot meth. Yeah. Um, 
creates hot method everywhere. Oh, exactly. It's an interesting one because it is so popular right now. And oh. also, okay, so like, meth, oh. is that I've had some experiences with it in New York as being like quite glamorous. And then I moved to Kentucky and then it was very like, the opposite of that where it's like you can see like oh my god this shit's really fucking scary and like people are emaciated and their teeth are falling out and i'm not saying that they that can't happen in a city like new york city but it was like so shocking to me seeing meth and drugs like meth and heroin destroying communities and mm -hmm. It's just, it's a really dangerous drug. Uh, I know that a lot of gay people use methamphetamines, and I would recommend to them they, well, it's an interesting because I don't want, I don't want people to hide it. Like, I, I, I don't want to stigmatize a drug, you know, and I recognize that people do these drugs. Um, so I guess a more productive thing to say would be, if you're going to do that, then make sure that you have a frame of time where you don't have to do anything else for like five days so that you can recover. And have because... accountability, buddy, is because if, if yes. it starts to draw you in, you've got to have folks that love you and care about you to get you out. I would be so bold as to say run away. Run away from it. If you're someone who likes to get into things, if you have any addictive or compulsive simple. it's not that i mean simple. of course i know it's not that you simple know? but i just know it's so physiologically addictive you know yes yeah definitely but i mean i think it brings it to the point where like you know i'm personally for like legalizing drugs period because i think it's easier to regulate them and when we take away the stigma then it's easier to treat people and i wouldn't want anyone that is struggling with addiction to feel like they can't come forward and seek for help because they think that them doing it makes them feel like a bad person. So yeah. I do think that, so, like, you know, we don't you want are, to stigmatize if have, people. If you, if you have the opportunity to do heavy drugs like meth, um, I would say, suggest do not go down that rabbit hole. If you already yeah. have um, and you don't desire to stop, then I would say at least be able to do it in the safest environment possible. Yeah. Um, and definitely, you know, don't try to hide it from your friends because those are the support people that you will need if you decide that you want to stop doing that. Yes. And then there's cocaine. And then there's cocaine, cocaine is a little, a little classist and a little, it's a little classist and a little statusy. And um, I had my run-in with it in 2013, 2014. Um, and, and, like, I don't think it's safe anymore. People are dying from what it's getting laced with and mixed with mm -hmm. these days. And so when it comes to white powdery substances, I my thing is, if, if, you're, if, if you're not sure, don't. <laughs> if you if you gotta, gotta take you got to take your best life into your hands... And um, cocaine might have might have been kind of kind of cute at some point, but it's definitely no good for your health. It's not. So, it's not good for your mucous membranes. It's not also, good for your you mental get, health. You Guys, people with testosterone can get really aggro. And it can even lead to violence. I've gotten close to. I've been in close proximity in my life with people who take it 
and even who deal it, and it's no good. It's not in the chain of economic evolved things. So I am grateful to have basically been like, yeah, no thanks. So that's the category of uppers. Um, Now, I will open with opioids. Never did it, but I had my sister die of overdosing on opioids. And my, I don't know what exactly my father's cocktail of prescription drugs was, but he also died of a prescription drug, mixing with, m- mixing of prescription drugs. So please, um, I think, I think along with other things that are highly physiologically addictive, the opioids are just, uh, they will deeply take you to a place where you'd rather be there than not. And, uh, from the bottom of my heart, if anyone's dealing with this, yeah, please, please, please seek help. Seek the people who love you because there, there is a way to get out of it. And I've seen people have to do multiple rehab instantiations, multiple rounds of rehab. This shit, this shit once, once you until you're not around anymore. So please be careful. If, if there's a culture of it near you or you hear of it. I've only ever done opioids once and it wasn't recreationally. It was because I was having extreme back pain Mm. and I took a hydrocodone Uh and the moment I took it, I was like, Oh, this could be a problem because I felt amazing. I felt like I, there was no pain. I felt euphoric and I was, it was very clear to me. Like I was like, Oh, this is why people get addicted to opioids. Um, so yeah, they're very dangerous. And, uh, if you have the opportunity to do opioids because of like, you got a prescription because of, 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 um, an injury, please tread very carefully because they're very addictive. We've talked plenty about alcohol. So should we go into the mind expanding? Hallucinogens, I want to start out with the ones I have no stigma about that are being yes, microdosed please. in psychology, in psychiatry. Um, I believe in the visionary shamanic and uplifting power of psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be destigmatized totally. I think it needs to go the route that weed is. I believe people should be able to grow their own psilocybin mushrooms. They're some of the most emotionally healing um, experiences I've ever had. They are not euphoric. They are not supposed to just give you a good time. They are a quest into emotional healing. Are they good for treating people that. with personality disorders like um, like uh, bipolar or things or like, like that? borderline things yeah, like borderline. that? Things that are really hard to treat because they're part of your personality as opposed or, to like, yeah. Right. Oh, are they? Wow. I'm not sure about that. So I'm asking. I you. don't know. That would be a really wonderful send off. If someone would like to send Samurai a message. Samurai. 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 Oh my God, that's funny. I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a team. Samurai. Um, um, no, but uh, I would love to hear of anyone that. Okay. So I should mention too that my sister is borderline. And, you know, it's really, I will not, I don't justify the, the bad actions of people that are borderline, because I do yeah. think that, especially as an adult, you need to learn how to control your impulses. But I do have empathy for people that are borderline that 
that are not high functioning because yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, personality disorders are, will fuck you up because it's yeah. not easy to treat. It's part of your of who you right. are. Right. The, so, the identity the identity has gone has gone into a unhealthy place. And we are talking about optimum health and self love and and functioning in a difficult world. I mean, the, that's the, the bigger thing, and I think we can close within a moment, yeah. is that substances are, are seeming, uh, seemingly helpful as a, more, as a seemingly uh, increasingly unjust, unethical world is starting to really show its ugly face, and this is how some people deal with it. But, yes... Yeah, and if you are a listener and you do suffer from a personality disorder like borderline or bipolar, um, one, we would love to hear your story. Um, and if you've used any anything medicinal, whether it's like right, like if you've used yeah, if you've microdosing even, on hallucinogens, if it's been part of your um, uh, part of your therapy, if it's been part of your psychiatric uh, plan. Uh, please let us know. I also, I've also have people in my family uh, who've gone run the gamut from manic depressive and and bipolar to recent um, admissions of uh, a borderline diagnosis. And I think having very empowering conversations about about these about these prognoses and about functioning and about. Um, the ability of the psychiatric world, as well as the spiritual and shamanic uh, parts of healing to provide whatever it is that may be most beneficial to folks. There but we a are a fat, fairly... There's a fat Maine Coon cat outside of the door, and I don't know whose cat that is. <laughs> well, I would say this afternoon the pussies are on fire because here at the Casita... Uh, uh, Degatos, my my Mediterranean language is being all messed up. Rosie is now um, trying to wake up Birdie from her nap, which is too cute. But um, <laughs> uh, feline feline love, loving pussy is always a good thing. So um, I think to wrap. Uh, to wrap it up, we today. have the hallucinogens. We we are kind yes. of we are we are um, gentle. We are gentle. Could we say we're gentle advocates? I would you say you can so. abuse them, and they I've can be disruptive. Pretty, I don't think I'm a good candidate for some hallucinogens because I'm way too cerebral and I have too much anxiety. That's yeah. why I don't like acid anymore. Yeah, I, me too. Like, I can't, it's too intense. Like, I just don't have a good time. The and synthetics. I don't like synthetic hallucinogens. The, the I time. will I will imbibe with some people, um, but it's got to be pretty small dose. And I am i don't need to dare to start going to other states of consciousness yeah. if it's not, like, if it's not ceremonial. Cer like, peyote. All these things people do. Mm -hmm. um, people have shamanic experiences with ayahuasca. When you're doing something where you're going to end up rerouting your consciousness to other dimensions and other places of consciousness and you might astral travel you have to be disciplined aware and whatever ready means because i've done ayahuasca twice mm -hmm. and um i think for me i would prefer to do it 
in the native land, not in California. And yeah. I would prefer to um, be around the people who are intimately involved with this ancient, ancient healing possibility. I also think that um, you have to be careful not to um, imperialize and colonize um, sacred medicine to be very respectful to the locals and indigenous for whom they are a deep and abiding part of their culture. So that's what I'll say on that. Yeah. Oh, Sam, we have to do the questions. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So these are easy. And they have to do with our topic. So thank you, Florida. Thanks, Florida. Um, thanks, Flo. Thanks, Flo. Flo Thunder. Um, so the first question is, what is our ideal self-care day? Oh, my God. And then two is, how do we keep ourselves motivated on projects? I'll start because okay. I want to. Um, Good. Self-care has been difficult for me. I've talked about this in previous episodes because a lot of people think of self-care as, like, taking time for yourself. And, like, oh, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch a movie and drink some tea. And, like, I do that so much anyway because I live a very secluded life with my leather work um and when i like my version of self-care is getting out into the universe and like spending time with friends and and being able to socialize so yeah. i think my version of self-care is a little different and then what was the second one oh staying um, motivated on projects yes god i am not the one to ask because let me tell you it takes me a while to get things done but i will say some things that i have been using to get my things done is i got a whiteboard so i will write on the whiteboard okay this is what i'm gonna do monday this is what i'm gonna do tuesday this is when do three thursday whatever friday i think i skipped wednesday but that's okay i have D on wednesday um and um, I'll write the things that I need to do on those days. So then I have the satisfaction of erasing them when I actually complete them. And if I don't complete them, then there's a thing on the board that I haven't done. And then it's like, shit, I, you know, it keeps me more accountable to do those things. I also think it's really important to set deadlines, especially if you're an artist. If you don't set deadlines, you'll never get anything finished. Anyway, so those are my, my tidbits. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, thank you. I'm going to piggy, piggy, piggy back off what you're saying, Sam. So, like, we are, we seem to be creatures, and, you know, let me know how accurate this is. So, a self-care day, I agree. Like, for, for people who are in, deeply in a sort of traveling, uh, uh, in the car, and public transit, to work and back, that kind of a workflow, then having days to, re to enjoy yourself, to have space and time, um, and inspiring things that take you out of the grind, that's a self-care day. But for folks, like many of us who are trying to, like, start something, like I want to start sound a sound healing business. I Like, my dream is to eventually have a retreat center where people can uh, revitalize themselves and people can can grow things. And there will be, like, bee sanctuaries and, and uh, seedling and tree sanctuaries. And I want to have this magical piece of new earth. That doesn't have to take a long time, but I need to learn the parts to that. And so for me, self-care is like doing what I need to do to manifest that, whether it's having a day at the beach, playing mm -hmm. more of my crystal bowls, is actually actualizing it instead of our like 
bohemian, oh, we may or may not have projects. I'm not doing anything with Alaska for at least a couple of weeks. Now my life has no meaning. I'm isolated. I don't belong. That's the hole I've been in and out of, you know, to be very honest this winter. So like a self-care day means I am a business person. I can manifest things. I'm going to do what I need to do. Sometimes I need to practice music so that I don't get rusty. Sometimes I need to put out a few job applications to feel good about my worth as um, someone who is capable of just getting some sort of job because it's not easy and I can get very overwhelmed. The minute I get overwhelmed, I shut down and start feeling depressed and I'm mad at humanity. You know, so self-care is different for everyone, but make it something that gets you out of any limiting habits. Let it be an expansive, um, expansive activity or have, give yourself a fucking one to three hours sacred time where all you do is listen to music, um, meditate, allow yourself to meditate. There's such a wealth of information and research that meditation is really helping our mental health really helping our bodily things, whether you visualize or use mantras or toning. or uh, I use guided meditations with Dr. Joe Dispenza um, for my, to reroute my brain from the things that limit me. Self-care, be creative, be expansive, and be super loving to yourself. Number two, which is related, keeping motivated on projects is having the balance you know, if I don't have a gig with Alaska, sometimes I'm like, not making money, don't want to do music. That's the worst attitude I can have. The best attitude I can have is my mantra. Doing something is better than doing nothing. Yes. I agree that you have to manifest it. I love using real paper, real pencil and pen, something where it's not going to get lost when I have a smoking slash, not a smoking break, an Instagram break. Which, you know, people who are on their own hours trying to be their own boss in their own business, we can get lost in the phone. So I, I, I've started doing less phone stuff in order to get projects done. I lose, I purposely lose my phone. Because when I'm on my computer, I have a different frame of mind. I don't go wandering on things. It's funny because before, uh, uh, before I got a new computer for, for Christmas... I only use the computer for work. And my brain is now used to only doing my computer for work. So I'm using my computer more and my phone less. Yeah. So there's all sorts of awesome ways to um, stay motivated. Sometimes I do. So, like, it's kind of funny. Like, the ways I stay motivated is often a, a hybrid of self-care. I watch an inspiring movie, like the documentary about Betty White on Netflix. Watch it. She's an incredible human being. She's managed to be the face of television and a human, uh, a animal rights advocate and lived to nearly 100 because she knows herself and she's done what she's built for. That's incredibly inspiring. So finding what inspires us and going back to the root of inspiration, super duper important. Um, so I also want to give a shout out before we go to Nikki. I think it's Nikki Cries. Um, she is a TV news reporter in Pennsylvania. Wow. And she is, yeah. Um, and Sam, she might be from Eastern Pennsylvania. I'll ask her. Keep but it she, she, I know. Um, she has been sending me some really heartfelt um, questions and conversations. But she was wondering about coping with stress and anxiety. 
Well, I say self-care is going to be a part of that. Being inspired, expanding up, out of the limitations for which we sometimes allow ourselves to get stuck in unnecessary and untrue limitations. Sometimes they're unnecessary. Sometimes they are untrue. The more I meditate, the more I give these things time to recognize them and also be like, okay, these are the things that are kind of limiting or sabotaging me in my mind. And you know what? I still love myself anyway. And I got and I got a mission. I've got shit to do here on Earth. And I want to do it. So let's get cracking. Let's release the Krakens. Yes. And I agree. I think it's important to find coping mechanisms to deal with stress and anxiety. However, yeah. on the other side of the coin, I know we've had some disagreements about this, but I cannot stress enough the utility of medicine and certain circumstances when you're feeling a lot of stress and anxiety. I have chronic anxiety and I was really struggling to deal with it. And it was so bad that it was debilitating so much so that I would just have to like lay on the couch mm -hmm. and like not do anything because the idea of even getting off of the couch was, was making me stressful. Mm -hmm. So I eventually talked to my therapist about this and she recommended that I might want to look into medication. And I started to take Bucitrone, which my friend used to take, and a boost bar. I think they're both the same thing. And it's really helped. And I can tell if I've skipped a dose or if I'm off the regimen, you take two pills a day with this particular one, um, that I'm more stressed out. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I can visualize like that when I was not on medication, I would go into these depths of my mind that would just stress me out, like, and just start spinning my wheels about things that didn't matter. And it would just become, it would be bad. And yeah. I can see and visualize that, like, those doors are closed. Like, yeah. I can't go further into those depths of my mind because of this medication. So yeah. I'm not saying that it's for everyone, but I don't yeah. want people to discount, to discount that that is an option if yeah. they are struggling with anxiety or depression. Medication yes. is, medication is there for you if yes. you decide that you want to try that. Yeah. So. And you know what, Sam? I think eventually I think it would be good to have an episode about this because I, you know, I, I come from a family that medicated themselves starting in the 90s. I have schizophrenics down the line on my dad's side of the family. So, like, I, I know I have a um I have a um unsettled relationship with medication, but I do know it works and I do want to support people in their journey. Um and I do want to support people take it take it if it's gonna get you out of a deep, dark, non-functioning place, take it. But also know and be free, free to wean yourself off with professional help. When you, if you get the combination of therapy and medication that you need to empower yourself to be like, if you want to try it, do it. Yeah. I think it's about nearly about time now that I, you know, I my I have people very close to me on medication, and I'm glad that they're on it. So I don't want anyone to ever feel like they should be stigmatized for it. Having mental health to be as high functioning and as Damn loving. Damn you, Jeremy! I know. Well, this is our time then. Thank you, everyone. Sounds like a fun moment to just say goodbye. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see I'm you next roll, time. I'm gonna roll a d20 for everyone before we go with advantage. 
Yes. Oh, now first one was a three. Hopefully the second one will be better. Okay. Uh, it was a five. Well, we're not going to talk about that then. Okay, no. goodbye, everybody. It was Bye, nice everyone. See you next time. Thank you so much. We love you.